Hurry into Mattress Firm's best Memorial Day sale ever. Get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin and save up to $500 on Sealy. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $4.99 value. Or shop Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America, and save up to $500 on adjustable mattress sets in stock for immediate delivery. And get a $300 instant gift. Talk to a sleep expert today. Only a Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Hey, Mike, what are you doing way up on that ladder? You're going to hurt yourself. Oh, I'm trying to unclog these gutters. That's smart. I had water damage from my gutters last year. It cost me ten grand. Yeah, wait, $10,000? Yeah, and from over here, it looks like water's been pouring over your clogged gutters, and it's probably doing real damage to your foundation. You need to do what I did. Get off the ladder and call Leaf Filter. Yeah, but I need to get these gutters flowing now. That's why you need to call Leaf Filter. They'll clean and realign your gutters and install their exclusive micro-mesh screen system so nothing gets in your gutters except water. So Leaf Filter protects my house from damage and means no more gutter cleaning for me? Bingo! Plus Leaf Filter has an industry-leading lifetime warranty, so your gutters are covered for life. Thanks, Frank. I'm calling Leaf Filter today. Don't go another day with your home unprotected. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com for your free gutter inspection. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com right now for an extra 15% savings. Call 1-844-300-LEAF or go to tryleaffilter.com. That's one 844 Leaf. Oh wow, we started. Hmm. We started without the music. Hey, let me pause this. This is Jim the Keys bartender coming to you from Key Largo, on a slightly uh, soggy Key Largo. Not because it rained, because we had that morning dew thing going on. It's um, it's Monday. Post Super Bowl here in the Keys. It's going to be a beautiful day here. It's probably in the low 80s. And I apologize. I'm not. I'm not doing this revel in it that you guys that listen from North Dakota or Illinois or Iowa, New York. I'm not revel or Pennsylvania. I'm not reveling that you're in close to sub-zero temperatures. I'm just telling you. That's what it is. I'm trying to endorse the uh, idea that maybe it's a good time to come down here and uh, and visit us. Yes, you can do it safely. You can do it safely. Monroe County. Let's let's do a little reminder for people that come down here. Monroe County has instituted a requirement, maybe not with a lot of teeth because the, the state lifted it, but because we are businesses, I'll explain, that... When you go indoor, you must indoors into an establishment. You swear a mask. Can't control what you do when you go into private residences and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, but they they do require uh, they have a mask mandate for people. And I know you know you from up north. You're sick of it. You think you're in Florida. Everything's fine down here. But you know we're just as likely whether you believe it or not, to be infected as possible. And if you go down to Key West, they're much more stringent on that in Key West with a mask, even outside. I'm sorry. That's just the way uh, the county views the, uh, views the best way to handle this pandemic. And they view it as a real thing. So if you don't view it as a real thing, you may disagree, but... The people down here view it as a real thing. But we're going to move on to, from that. Besides that, though, the, when you go into water and all that stuff, when you're, you, I'm sure you're fine. You know, this is why you're down here anyway. 
to golf, you know, you know. I mean, some boats may even require you to wear a mask and stuff like that. But is that really a big deal? I mean, I teach a spin class with uh, a mask on, and I'm no problem with it. A little more SPF protection anyway. But we'll move on for that. We'll move on. It looks like we're in the crux of the season, the crux of the our season. And we have visitors down here. And uh, they seem to be enjoying themselves. They seem to be enjoying themselves. But yesterday, I'll reiterate, was Super Bowl Sunday. I'm not going to go talk about the game. You know why? Because there's plenty of people to do that. You saw all your commercials and shit like that. And you're in the keys. But that is the predominant thing that happened yesterday in the United States. Luckily, there was no tragedy or anything like that. We could, uh, we have to focus on it. Was a Super Bowl, and down here, what that means to us is a lot of the restaurants and bars are vacated. People always, when they come in that weekend, they say, "Hey, listen, what are you going to do on Super Bowl? You got to have big crowd here on Super Bowl." No, we don't. We never have. Any place I worked on Super Bowl Sunday, no matter how big a screen TV you had, people. Do not turn in mass down here because when you're invited to a house party where there's no charge for liquor and food, they'll preference to go to a house party. And that's what happened yesterday. At the start of the game, well, I mean, we had we had some business. It wasn't completely dead. But at the start of game time, we had, and I'm going to be accurate. This is not an exaggeration. We had five people. And going into the um, meat of the game, like halfway through the first quarter, we had three people. So at one point, you know, cats restaurants always open up. We've stopped getting, you know, we have a lot of wings, a lot of orders for rings to go. People, it's, it's like turkey. It's like getting a turkey on Thanksgiving, right? What is it about? The Super Bowl, the, the wings, I um, wings, pizza, all that stuff. I love pizza. Pizza is my preference for the Super Bowl because it's. Uh, I worry about wings because it's more likely to choke. You know, you got the chicken bone and all that stuff, and you're jumping up and down. So pizza, you could take manageable bites, and you don't have a bone. You can still choke on a pizza. Don't get me wrong, but you know, chicken wings. You got to be a little more attentive when you're doing the chicken wings. When you're 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 noshing on chicken wings, and plus you got to concentrate on that wing sometimes because it's kind of messy. If you got a lot of sauce on it, stuff like you can get it all over your face and you're jumping up and down. It's shit flying all over the place. Pizza, yeah, I guess you could do it too if you have a lot of stuff on a pizza, but you shouldn't. It shouldn't be that way. But that's just my preference. And there's also like a charcuterie tray or something like that, like a cheese. I'm sure people put out, some people, in, you know, put out the, the chicken wings and the, and the pizza and the bean dip, you know, the typical fare. And then other people do a little more elevated themes that don't really go like finger sandwiches and, you know, or tea sandwiches, whatever you want to call it. And some brie and they're drinking wine, watching the Super Bowl, which it takes all types. What's wrong with it, right? So, so down here we didn't have any. We really uh, right around. We realized that 
that we're, we're, you know, keeping the place open is the longer you open with a staff, let's say there's one, two, three, four, five, six, six people. We're a small place at the Catch Restaurant, Mile Marker 102 in Key Largo, the Catch Restaurant and Bar. Remember that. Uh, at right around halftime, well, right before then, we decided that halftime would be a good time to close because we didn't have anybody um, really coming in. It didn't look like we were going to have it. There was no traffic on the road. No one sleep. Uh, you know, once the game started, it's it's it started. I mean, there's nobody on the road. I mean, you may send out some person for ice or beer or something like that, but there in the Super Bowl, there's no traffic. So we, we started shutting down, and then we had a couple. We're all sitting down. We're eating snacks. It's watching the halftime show, locking up. And this couple comes up and says, oh, we're here just to watch the halftime show. I'm like, oh, we're sorry we're closing up. Oh, we're just coming in. A, no, we're, we're closing up. I'm sorry to say that, to turn someone away, just a, a couple. And you say, hey, your restaurant, when you open I For some reason, why why people would just want to watch the halftime show, I guess they're not watching a football game. Just want to watch a halftime show. Uh, we just decided to close up because then you could get like another person coming, another person, another person. It's just that it's death by a thousand cuts. Meaning, the longer you open without business, is the more money you're you're paying people to stay. And they say, "Hey, Jim, why don't you stay by yourself?" Yeah, I guess I could do that, but you know. That's not the optimum, you know. When you're when there's only one person in there, it's just a philosophy. Some people say if you have one person, stay open. It's the best, the best reason. Well, you know, you you got to have the AC on, the lights on, and all that stuff. And the person's you know drinking a beer, and you know one beer, forty five minutes. You're not just you're not making it. So you just got to cut your losses and go. And there's there's a thought of quality time. I once mentioned in a previous show that I worked at a restaurant right down the road from where I work now. And the only day they always closed on was Super Bowl Sunday. Because of there was always a low turnout that day. And I was talking to a young lady, a friend of my daughter's, who's a hostess at a restaurant. And she goes, wow, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We're expecting a lot of people. And they're a restaurant, more of a restaurant than we are a restaurant. And have a smaller bar situated, smaller TVs. And they said, we're expecting a lot of people for Super Bowl. And I'm like, you're not going to have a lot of people for Super Bowl. I don't know. Um, may, maybe one of the sports bars had some people. The tourists went to the, you know, the one in town here. Or a couple in town may have gone, but most people have a tendency, at least around here, go to a Super Bowl party. And even some of the tourists get invited to Super Bowl parties. You know, someone's in town and they may be on a boat, and it, the the captain may say, "Hey, listen, come over." So that's the way it is. It's dead at the bars, and the same thing as supermarket. People think in season the supermarket's packed. Super Bowl Sunday, right before 12, 12 o'clock, it's packed. Everyone getting supplies. You lose all the wings, the chips, the dip, and all that stuff going out of beer. Well, I went at 1 o'clock, and each checkout line, there was just one person. That's just the way it was. You know? And face, you, know, you have to face the facts. Super Bowl Sunday in a resort town 
is kind of slow. And people go, what the hell's going on? Why, all these people are down here. Well, they're watching. They get their stuff, wherever they're doing. I don't tours go. Unless there's no tourists. Unless they leave the day before. You know, not all leave in mass. What I'm saying is a lot of people booked their vacation around the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. Meaning they leave on Saturday, get home, and they're home for the Super Bowl. I know. It's just the one thing. People, a lot of people travel on Saturdays during vacation and stuff like that so they can get home and be ready for uh, work on Monday. So, on another note, we did have we did have some tourists around. And there was, we had a couple, a lovely couple from Illinois. And they called for a drink I never heard. It was called an Amaretta Stone Sour. And I don't know why. Normally the name kind of denotes what the drink's like. And I guess that stone is the name of the person that invented it because it had it was an amaretta sour with orange juice. You know, you could have called it an amaretta orange sour, which is what it was. Amaretta orange sour. Why not that? But... They come in and they, you know, the drink's popular in their area. It doesn't mean it's not popular in the rest of the United States. I'm just saying down here, it's a lot of frozen drinks, a lot of mojitos, rum runners. And, uh, but I like the, when someone comes from the place and say, oh, this is popular where we're from. And I say, well, you don't have to make it. And I said, well, if we have the ingredients, I'm happy to make it. So I, I do a search and I find it. And, I, and if it's popular, I'll, I'll make, I'll make those. There was one drink someone it was popular. I'm not saying it's from that area, but it was popular in Maryland. We had people from Maryland come in and they asked for an orange crush, a drink, which I adapted to a martini. And it's one of our more popular drinks. You squeeze, you know, you do a fresh squeeze orange, uh, orange vodka, little triple sec, uh, and then a splash of lemon lime soda, Sprite, Seven Up, whatever, stuff like that. Or what did they? Oh yeah, they were friendly. So they, uh, the other soda they called. There's another soda that slice, maybe or something like that. It's kind of like Royal Crown soda for for people. There's, you know, we have Pepsi, Coke, and the third cola, whatever. Someone, but they come from a different place. They tell me the drink is popular. Doing, you know, I said, listen, uh, you know, drinks get kind of faddish, meaning F-A-D, fad, and they're popular in your area. They may not may not make it down in bulk, so you don't hear it too often. So you hear shots and stuff like that. Wisconsin, you got, or that neck of the woods, you have little shots called Little Beers. I think Little Beers are, uh, oh, God. I forgot what it was, Kahlua and Bailey's. You float Bailey's on top, so it looks like a Guinness, a little baby Guinness, and it doesn't taste like a Guinness, you know, because it looks dark, and then you have the Bailey's on top, or it could be amaretta or something like that. Who knows? Um, my theory on shots is that that's a way for people to raise their alcohol content of their blood, bloodstream, and. Uh, I hate to say it, I'm not a big believer in shots. I think it's a poor way to manage your 
your whole general well-being when you're out. Do a couple of those and you say, well, wait, how many shots did I have? And then you're just downing. You're like, you're drinking one beer, but you had three shots because in, in 15 minutes, so you're already, that's in your system. So whatever you drink later, if you're not rejecting that system, you could be on your way to a, a serious hangover. So watch out for that. But these people come in and ask for different drinks from different places. I go and say, and they were like, oh, you don't know me. It's very popular in our area. I said, you know, do me a favor. When you go up to your neck of the woods when you're in some place, I know there's craft cocktail places and you get, not a craft, go to your local watering hole, you know, the beer and shot place that makes your stone, uh, amaretta stone sour and ask for a rum runner or an orange crush. Or a mojito or a coconut mojito. See and see how they react to that. And then you'll see, you know, just just the way. If you go into Hong Kong, yeah, it's, it's, the nice thing about it now, there's so many bartenders in a network, they kind of learn drinks from other people and from different regions, even internationally, you could find out a drink and there's all these different things. They have different bitters and different uh types of additives like St. Germain as your secondary liquor to kind of change the nature of your primary liquor. But that's all the talk of bartending I'm going to do today. I'm going to, uh, right now we'll talk about the Catch Restaurant, Key Largo. It's at mile marker 102, Oceanside. It's over for lunch and dinner daily. Uh, They have great seafood and non-seafood dishes. If you bring in your own catch, if you're around, you know, fishing and you you get, you know, fillet your your fish, you bring it in and it'll cook your catch. And Monday through Friday, we have happy hour, 3.30 to 6.30 with some great uh, drink prices and uh, food deals. So come in and see us, ask for, uh, you know, suggest that you you came there because of the Keys bartender. Thank you for listening. Okay, back to this. Recently, again, I noticed that uh, when you're, I use social media for the podcast. I use it for the restaurant. I use it for my small company I have. Yes, I'm incorporated. Uh I forget which I incorporated on. I got to double check that because I'm pretty soon I have to do something required by the state. But I got incorporated by the state. I'm also a notary, and the notaries down here we do uh, wedding officiating. Uh, besides doing the documentation services. I advertise a legal courier service, which is, you know, a trusted person that could deliver your uh, documents or get them signed and notarized down here. And on top of it, I'm in the process of getting a signing, a notary signing agent, which is, to put it all intensive, is a closing agent, me or a signing agent. When a real estate transaction takes place, they present documents to the buyer or seller and they conduct the closing and explain all the documents, get them signed, get them notarized, and then send it to the closing agency. So everything's, you know, all the 
I's are dotted, T's crossed, and things like that. And there's a lot of documents for that. They you know, packages can go loan packages can go up to 200 pages. Yeah, 200 page stuff. Uh, I advertise using all these social media sources. And I know a lot of people don't want to be on Facebook and all that stuff, but I use it. It's a free resource. I mean, people still advertise in newspapers. I understand that. Realtors do it a lot, which because, you know, you got the colorful uh, print and it's it's just there and it's, uh, you don't, you know, besides, it's just a way for them to get their advertisement out on the properties they want. And get a big color thing instead of just looking at it on your phone. Uh, so newspapers are still a great thing, or print ads are still a great thing for the realtors. But when it takes you getting word out nowadays, if you have a healthy Facebook friend list, and mine runs almost 5,000, and taught you in all your accounts Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr. Some people use TikTok, which is for younger people. But, you know, when it comes to the business, it's mainly Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And I think there's other secondary ones like LinkedIn, which is per network. And you can tie these all together. And it is an affordable option other than just doing print ads. And depending on what your network set up, when they call it a network, meaning how many friends you have, this is your distribution. Like small town, you can have a small town of like a couple thousand people. I have 5,000 friends that gets out. And if they share to their friends, if you get people and you ask them, could you share this? I have this small business. Can you share this to your friends? That'd be great. So <clears throat> doing that, you are exposing yourself to the wider world, meaning you get not just the 5,000 friends, you get people that use these social networks. They set up dummy accounts and they put a couple pictures of other people on. Like some people may just use people in the, in town that aren't socially, they're not on Facebook or that, but they'll set it up and say, well, oh, this is a nice person. This is a fake. And then they use it as an entree to get in and say hello. And as a, I'm 57 years old, so if a 22, 23-year-old girl tr- contacts me, a very attractive one, and says hello, and says hi, I, I am noticeably or readily suspect at their intentions right when they say hi like there's always codes they just say hi and I'm like oh this isn't because when someone knows you they say hi hi Mr. Haran or hi Jim this is so and so this is Sabrina I met you a thing and and then I you know they may have a legitimate reason I'm I'm a uh I sell jewelry and stuff. Can I advertise? And that's legitimate. But then these other ones, hi, where are you from? Blah, blah, blah. And they're, they're, they're just throwing out a wide net to try to, that's cat. I think it's, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure it's catfishing. Throwing out a wide net. And if you ask 100 people for money, they're hoping like three or four of them are going to send the money and just say, hey, listen, I'll send you some pictures. I'll do this. I said, I'm lonely. I need a friend. Oh, I think you're attractive. 
If you get an unsolicited comment from someone, and, and let's say you don't get out much, so you could just say, "Oh, I'm from Key West or Miami. Oh, I think you're so attractive." Blah blah blah. blah. Uh, they they may they may be under the impression because I live in Key Largo that I'm wealthy, and also that I am looking for someone and desperate things for it or something like that, and. I would not see, I'm saying, oh, which makes perfect sense that a beautiful young woman that lives in Miami would uh, look to Key Largo to a 57 year old man. Now, I'm not saying I, I'm not looking 57 year old. I didn't want to see plenty of people out there. And I know there's some people that have certain complexes, what they like, but I'm aware, I'm self aware of what people's intentions may be. So I'm always interested in saying, what what are they trying to do? And I never really get around to going too in-depth because I see what's going to go on. I'm just saying, hey, listen, how much time do you want to spend talking to someone once you know this is it's going to happen? Say this, that, this, and they're going to have, I'm going to need some money. That's They're going to ask you that. Have I ever sent money to anybody? I can absolutely declare I've never sent money to a person that I didn't know begged for money on it. Now, I have sent money to people that I do know that are running a fundraiser. Yes. I have done that fundraisers. They say that fundraiser. If I know those people, this, that, yes. And if they're endorsing someone, other fundraiser, I've done that too. And also for uh, big organizations like the... Uh, Cancer Society or something like that. And I do, you can always check to see how legit it is and all that stuff. Yes, but a personal plea from someone I don't know, I'm, no. I, I learned that long ago when someone contacted me when I first got on the internet with an email and the person wanted to deposit 500, said, they wanted to deposit 500000 to my account because they could not get money in the United States and they'd pay me a um, secure a commission for me, which would run around you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. You know, that's uh, some crazy stuff. Well, send me your information and stuff like that and your account information. I'll put it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure. That they're looking for desperate people. Same thing. Now, I'm, what I'm leading to, and we've talked about this before, the assumption I've, I've never seen, I'd be more trusting if I saw an attractive older uh, woman because I find them intriguing. Now, I am married. I love my wife and all that stuff. But I'm just saying that would be, if that was my druthers to do it, it would be someone closer to my own age. And people say, why Why would that be? And it's the whole psychology of that, of going into youth and uh, going into youth, seeking out youth and finding that more attractive. And people say, well, youth is more attractive. Well, not necessarily. Think of value. Try to value something. Think of something of value. It, that's attraction. There's great and great value. And not everything of great value is new. Matter of fact, think of 
beautiful antiques, beautiful, well-made antiques. You can have a coffee table, right? Or what's an end table that was uh, that's beautifully well-crafted, brand new. And you say, oh, that's, that's great. Or you could see one that's an antique. Like a, some from the French rest, Restoration period. That could be, you know, you, you couldn't even put a price on it. That's, that's value and that's attraction. So when you see people, you value people the same way. And it's not just the age, it's the craftsmanship and what goes into it, it's the substance. And, and that's the way I view people. And a lot of times, some people make the mistake, they think older men are just looking to youth. Like a 22-year-old girl would be, you know, actually do that for them. And they, I have, I will admit, a 22-year-old girl, you just see her, could look perfect physically, blah, 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 all that. Look wonderful. Beautiful hair, beautiful body, beautiful smile. Charming. No care in the world, no, no pain, no suffering. Or pretending there was no pain and no suffering, no hardship. But you can see someone who's, let's say, easily double that age, and they're, they're absolutely gorgeous because they have experience, substance, things to talk about, not shared experiences, shared references. So when you make a reference to someone, you don't have to explain to them. It's It, it could be just, if not more so, exciting. There's more layers to a person. And not saying that a younger person can't have layers and stuff. It's just very hard. And it's usually hardship that make, gives younger people layers. Unless they're like a genius with multiple interests. And why the hell would they, you know. And I'm not saying I'm so, I don't have self-worth about myself. But why is a disparity in experience and things like that. Unless that's what you're looking for. If uh, an older person, let's say man or woman, are looking to be the teacher and a uh, in, in a teacher-student relationship with someone who's of legal age and that the student's looking to be in it, um, you know, be an apprentice. I would liken that. If they're looking for that, that's great. I mean, I always, I'm always looking to learn. And people say, well, you can learn from a younger person too. You can learn to reacquaint yourself with how the world through their eyes. It makes a lot of sense. I understand that. But uh, that's just my views on that. Looking, and and I'm not undervaluing the importance of youth, the importance of energy, perspective, the beauty of youth. But there is a value in, there is a great value in that person. And I'm not, you don't put a negative negative connotation on antique because if you go to Sotheby's uh, auction house in London, if they have a Stradivarius violin, they're gonna you're gonna get much higher bids on that than you would on something made by a master nowadays. I mean, it's got to be in pretty it should be in pretty good shape, but they hold up well. Right? 
And you shouldn't, if you're younger, the nice thing about it is that if you do the right things, you can turn into that Stradivarius. I would, I would hesitate and people say, oh, well, it's a bitch getting old. It's a bitch getting old. I say, well, that is what the cost of gaining experience is. The cost of having depth. Depth of intellect, depth of soul, depth, depth of experience in relationships. I mean, just in the world and worldliness. General worldliness. Yes. Even if it's, there's people that even move within, they spend their whole lives within 20, 30 miles of their home. If they're in contact with people and they're in contact with their thoughts and they're aware of the world, they have interesting things to share with us. Right? So, I know it's not necessarily... Uh, you know, a podcast, a new, te- a relatively new technology, relatively new, 30 years, right? Or on the cusp of 30 years. Uh, the, I, I always thought that, you know, this eventually, this medium is, is expanding in our age group. And there are going to be more and more. I am in, this is, the, the growth is going to be explosive, in the age group of 40 on up. Kids are always, you know, kids are always going to be into technology and stuff like that. Yes, that's the way it is. And it's a make up a large percentage of the podcast listeners. They'll listen to crazy shows, true, true crime and all that stuff, which is great. I, I'm not saying, hey, listen, I love that stuff. I think it's incredible. But I am placing my bets that my generation, the just outside the baby boomer, um, I'm, I'm, I'm on the cusp. Just like people say when he asks, people ask for, when did someone says, what's your astrological sign? And I'm like, oh, okay. So the stars control my personality. I get it. Not my experiences, my DNA, my the th- my behaviors. This is what this is the way I put the list up. The uh, the company you keep, the way uh, your environment. This is controls who you are. Your upbringing, your environment, your experiences, your DNA, your abilities within the DNA, your development, and then way down the list, way down. Because I won't say it doesn't play any any influence because you know you are if you're a physical body moving in the world yes you could be affected by gravitational forces and whatever you could yes but does it control who we are and what makes us no no i'm i'm sorry to say that people are always searching for meaning and they need a tight explanation and the tight explanation would be in the West, for some people's astrology, and in the East, it could be the year. If you were, I was born in the year of the monkey. I was born in the year of the rat, year of the horse, year of the rabbit. Boom, and this is who you are. It's like everyone born that year are the same way. Like you can have a great person who's funny, 
and a dickhead that's morose and are born on the same day. Yes. And I'll tell you something. I know people that are twins in my family that are very different. They're twins. No, no, they're fraternal twins, but they are very different. So being born on a certain day in a certain place under a certain sign. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and people always, people will manipulate that. stuff. So we, we have a whole industry that does that. I'll tell you who you are. Just talk to me for a little while. Truthfully. And if I find something evasive, then I'll just say, well, there's going to be something hidden. I don't know. And again, that's their aspirations, what they want. And if they're not a psychotic or sociopath, I can pretty much tell where they are. Now, if they're very, if they're a sociopath stuff, they probably could totally hoodwink me. Totally. But I do have one card up my sleeve and that's my experience. And there's some tell. There are some tells for people who are psychotic and sociopaths and you just and don't there's one thing and it people may uh poo poo the idea that uh, same people may agree with me that the stars don't control it i'll I'll say there is a gut instinct when your your body is your body tells you when something is not right with someone if you're being completely let's say accepting of your feelings you could probably tell What's going on? But then again, people say, Jim, that's how people get taken all the time. They say they felt really good about that person. I'm sure people felt the same way about Charlie Manson, Jim uh, Jim Jones, the people from Heaven's Gate, or some Q. Um, there's millions of people that swear by a anonymous person on the internet that was a high level defense employee or in the government, and they told them crazy conspiracy theories, and they're living their lives by that right now. Okay, if you're living your life concerning that without thinking, people say, do some, don't be a sheep. Well, I'm telling you, don't be a sheep. If a person's anonymous, they're anonymous for a reason. And they're saying, well, yeah, they're anonymous because they're telling, they're telling secrets and stuff like that. And if they, if they, if they told it, they wouldn't have access to these things. Bullshit. You know, we have, there's a guy in Russia right now who's an opponent to uh, Vladimir Putin who's going to jail for years because he's speaking truth to power and people. And his, his supporters are going to jail. And he was poisoned nearly to death. Poisoned. Just a hair's breadth away from death. Navalny, I'm talking about. That's someone who's going out streaking speaking uh, truth to power. If it's true, that's what a true hero does. They go to jail for their beliefs. Just like um, there's a minister, there was a Lutheran minister in in Nazi Germany that went to a concentration camp. And I I think he was the one that said, you know, they came for uh, so-and-so and and I did nothing. And they came for my neighbors and I did nothing. They came for the uh, communists. I did nothing. And then they came for me and there was no one to resist. So I'll leave it on a light note. Is that a light note? No. Human nature, I I believe human nature is always on a positive 
uh, up curve. And we're gonna we're learning this during the pandemic. Some people are going kind of crazy. Some horrible things you see on the internet. Some violent, very violent people out there. But there's also very kind people that sacrifice and do their best. And they're always doing it bad. Our healthcare workers, our first responders, police officers. Yes, I believe there's good. There are military, our nurses, our doctors, our our teachers, the people are um, the people that work in in uh, our food supply system. And food supply system is the the people that work in in grocery stores, in restaurants, our cooks, the delivery people. I know they're doing it. That's their job and stuff like that. But they do it. They, they're fulfilling a purpose that makes society go on. And there's people that, that uh, that's the good side. So whenever you say that things are breaking down, also think about the things that are working. There was a, a lovely ad during the Super Bowl. It's the only time I talk about Super Bowl. Not that I hate the results. It just wasn't exciting to me. Um, because I thought Mahomes didn't get the kind of protection he really needed. And he was ballsy. I mean, he threw a great pass when he was falling. He was falling to the ground. And he, and he threw a great pass. While 45 degrees laid out, he threw a pass and got it into the hands of the guy he was throwing, uh, throwing towards. That's a great quarterback. If you have protection and stuff like that and you have time to throw, if he had the protection that Brady had, it would be, I believe, a much different result. So, but there was an ad by, uh, it was Bruce Springsteen. And it was for Jeep. And so rarely do I mention a company that is not a sponsor. And uh, it's living in the middle. They started out with Kansas, the uh, geographic center of the United States. And... Okay, if you, you Bruce Springsteen not, may not be your cup of tea. I consider him a poet, much like that lovely young lady, the youth poet laureate from the United States, who did a reading right before the Super Bowl. Uh, he talked about living in in the middle, and how the U.S. that's where greatness comes from, the middle part, the people that come together. Re, and then he said, reunite, the reunited States of America. And people just say, well, I'm not, I'm going to, well, people are going to, there's people on the left and the right that said they won't, they refuse to. But the people that come together, that make compromises are the part, people that made this country great. They're the people that won World War II, World War One, World War II, uh, brought the company from the uh, country from the brink of the Civil War, the great compromises of the past. We, are, we, we still have a great future. I don't believe we're going to be owed by China because we are a multicultural nation. And that's our power. That's our power. <clears throat> we are not an ethnocentric, ethnocentric nation. We're multicultural. And our strength is in our heterogeneity, not our homogenous nature, meaning we're one. The one thing that makes us, we're U.S. citizens. That's what we share. We share that culture, U.S. culture and U.S. beliefs, white creeds, not 
Native American beliefs, not Black American beliefs, U.S. culture. U.S. culture. I'm a, I love saying that. I'm a citizen of the United States. And that's the reason why I could talk to someone in Alaska, Hawaii, or a new American. In the line, when one, uh, one day, when I'm coming back from Poland, my wife and daughter are still staying there, but I had to come back because, you know, someone, someone has to work. <laughs> and I'm in a line. I ran into an Iraqi uh, citizen who worked as a translator for U.S. forces in Iraq, which is a very dangerous job for someone at that time. This was uh, seven years ago. And it, they were moving their, their family to the United States. And I shook his hand and I said, welcome. Uh, welcome to the United States. You're going to make a great addition to it. And there's some people that are afraid when they see that. But, yeah, maybe, maybe we don't want 100 million of one group of people coming. But... That's the heterogeneity, the, the mixture that makes us the melting pot. And our strength is in that. Just like iron mixed with, you know, when you do that Bessemer process, when you infuse carbon into iron, makes it steel, makes it harder, makes it more malleable, less brittle. That's the U.S. Our strength is in our differences. And when we come together, we do create these unique bonds that are unbreakable and long-lasting. And we're still the oldest democracy in the United States. The, I mean, the oldest democracy in the world. The longest running under the same constitution. And we are, uh, our power comes from that. And our ideas. And will come here. Because they're tired of the bullshit in their country. And we should not look on that desire to become an, a U.S. citizen. We should not look on that desire as a negative attitude. That they want to come here and they want to come here and and ruin us. They want to be part of it. They want to be part of this thing, and they can be. I, you cannot go to China and become Ch um, Chinese. You cannot go to Japan and become Japanese, even though they may say you do. But you can come to the United States citizen and be a United States citizen. Yes, you can become a Japanese citizen, Chinese citizen, stuff like that. But you'll, I, I don't believe you'll be treated truly as an, an equal part, like you can in the United States, by a large segment of society. And uh, I went on for a while about that. I truly believe that. That's why I love this country so much. That's why I admire our flag with all the stars on it from different states. I'm unashamedly patriotic. I'm unashamedly. And the things we're going now are temporary. And in on the large, and yes, large, there's countries that, yes, China say they thousands of years they've been around, but not under one government. There are new, there are newbies when it comes to the one government. 
They're 80, no, less than 80 years. Right? We're going on 250 years. We are the old. We are the benchmark for working together. And even though we haven't been well lately, we are getting better. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Keys Bartender. I'm sorry for getting on the soapbox, but that's the way I feel. And if you think that a bartender doesn't have the right to say that, I say, fuck you. I have every right to say that. And uh, also, I'd like to say goodbye to a great patriot, even though we are at different political views. George Schultz, who was a great Secretary of State, he served in the Marine Corps during World War II. He served this country great. He, he was... Once again, the benchmark for a guy performing his duty and providing service to this country. So we say goodbye to George Schultz. And if you like this show, please share it with your friends. Send us an email to Jim at keysbartender.com if you'd like to make a comment or a question. If you're from someplace and you have an interest in being on the show, happy to do that too. Uh, Thank you very much. Take care and have a great day.